All right, live from Studio 6B on Real America's Voice. It is a Friday night. Good Friday, everyone. And hopefully uh, this leads on to a bigger and better weekend for you all. Thanks for watching Dish Network Channel 219, Pluto TV Channel 240, Samsung TV Plus Channel 1029, and of course on all the socials, the Getter feed, which uh, we're having a lot of fun with, with people chiming in, and our very own Mod 2, who takes very good care of us. Uh, so take care of them and make sure you follow them as often as possible, because uh, Mod 2 rules and, and Mod Mod 1 drools. Simple as that. It's a Friday night. Like I mentioned, David Zier is here with news. Hey, guys. Uh, how are you? I'm really well. You look very, you look very dapper. Thank you, thank you. My stylist uh, set me up today. Very nice, very nice. I like, the, I like the tie. I like the whole, the whole, the whole schmear you got going on there. He always looks sharp. Yeah, always. Speaking of sharp, let's kick it over to Slick Rick. Whoa, look at you. Yes. What are you a basketball? What are you? What are you doing? Well, no, this was a uh, last-minute wardrobe change earlier today in honor of the great Mike Bossy, who passed ah. away at 65 years old. This is the orange and blue. You know, I always have my little Mr. Islander up on my left shoulder. Yep. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll have a full report on this uh, a little bit later in sports, Rick. Yeah, uh, an icon in, in hockey. And, uh, you know, you, I, I would put him next to uh, Prince with you, right? Yeah, he's right up there. I got to tell you, he's my second all-time favorite Islander, okay. but he was absolute legend. Amazing, amazing. And a sad day for that and a sad day for all the Islander fans and hockey fans. I mean, hockey yeah. fans, you know, across across uh, you know, New York and I mean, I, I would say New York because of the Islanders, but well, Canada, across this country, yeah, Canada, sure. yeah. yeah. Big, big uh, fans of uh, what he had, and, and you're going to do a whole yep. nice presentation for it. To him. your point, Rick, he was voted one of the top 100 all-time NHL players. Mike Bossy is one of them. Yeah, it's that's quite right. an honor. All right. Well, all-time yeah. leading scorer, too, for the Islanders, right? Uh, yes, for the New York Islanders as far as goals, yeah. Yeah. Amazing, amazing, amazing guy, amazing career, sad day. We'll dive more into that when we do sports in a little while. We've got a ton of stuff. Uh, to get to today, including some great clips. We've got more, you know, uh, people are, are, are chiming in. I, I was still getting uh, answers this morning about yesterday's show regarding what Joe Biden had said. Yes. When, in, in this, is this English? Yeah, I, I, I figured out. don't happen in vacuum. Right. So I, I, I kept getting people sending me stuff. Even this morning, I'm getting stuff. Uh, what about this? Could, because it is baffling. And maybe we'll tackle it a little bit later because, you know, we still we have more clips from uh, the resident in chief. We'll talk about him and what he's up to. Um, we're going to replay the what even is that from last night? Because I did it early anyway, because it was uh, it was kind of, you know, uh, somewhat themed for the weekend, for the holiday. And of course, Damon, you know, taking the weekend off and he's not here with us tonight. Uh, so we'll do that a little bit later on in the show as well. Uh, but first, let's just jump into probably the biggest story. Yeah, I know you're probably thinking, not Russia, Ukraine. No, because it's not. Not anymore. Not since Elon Musk made his bid. And we're talking about the bid from Elon Musk, of course, the owner of Tesla and uh, SpaceX, um, now trying to acquire Twitter. And the Man, the left is melting down, David. Yeah, uh, MSNBC said it's a catastrophic blow to democracy or something along those lines. These people are twisted. I, 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 and, and again, I don't understand why someone who's an advocate for free speech, you would think, you know, liberalism, uh, liberty, it kind of seems like the de derivative of that word. It comes from there. You would want more free speech. This is what this country was founded on, one of the tenets of it, right? Um, yeah, Katie Tarr, 
Uh, she was frantic in her warning on MSNBC, um, you know, that uh, real and devastating uh, and life and globe altering consequences if Elon Musk obtained the site. Uh, and allowed free speech to flourish. <laughs> God forbid. God, God forbid. forbid. Did she really say and allow free speech to flourish? I added that. All right. Uh, yeah, but yeah. but it's just an amazing. Um, and what's amazing are the people that are aligning with each other. Listen to who you're. You're talking about the wacko liberals on the left, who are now embracing the Saudis. Because the Saudis came out today, Prince, uh, whatever his name is, who was responsible Simon. for the Khashoggi murder, the guy that they, you know, chased into a, <laughs> a, 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 what do you call it? What's it called? The uh, embassy pulled him apart piece by piece, uh, smuggled him out and got rid of him. They can't find him. So he's basically he's gone. But they're aligning with and the liberals who were freaking out about that are now allow, allowing aligning with the Saudis. Because the Saudi prince is against Musk taking over, and then you've got uh, who else? Who else? Who else hates free speech? Uh, communists hate free speech, so the communists are coming on board. Sixty-five percent of America, <laughs> and it's all Let's these see. people: Hollywood, yeah. academia, yep. the mainstream media, the entire entertainment industry, except for about ten percent. Yep, um, it, it's you know, a, keep it, going. It's amazing watching. All these wackos kind of scurry together who, who uh, on any other subject, they would not be aligned. Right. And who are they aligning against? All these people also have the same uh, also love the environment. Oh, we got to do the Green New Deal. We love the environment. And what is Elon Musk responsible for? Electric. Electric cars to help the environment. Yep. Uh, you know, this is this is the guy you would think, oh, my goodness, if he does it, right. he's, he's going to be an advocate for us. But No. They're actually they're actually coming at him with pitchforks. They want to take him apart. Uh, yeah, I, I don't even think it's about left versus right anymore. Um, no, it's definitely you know, not. Th these people have no God in their lives, spirituality. Um, you know, uh, they just want to see um, the dismantling of America. I believe yeah. that. Yeah, it, that is their religion. Their religion is that and, of course, power. They want no one to have free speech, which is, you know, what he's an advocate of. And of, I think most of us are. And, uh, you know, now the latest, besides uh, Damon telling us last night about the Vanguard uh, fund coming into uh, to take a position as well. Now you've got Twitter is considering a poison pill. In which they would be flooding, basically flooding the market with more shares of stock only to their shareholders. To dilute, to the, Musk's, to dilute ownership. Musk's ownership position, yeah. right? So they want to hurt their own stock to stay alive so he doesn't take over. Um, and it just, it's baffling. Because where does that leave you? If he decides, hey, you know what? They're going to do that. What am I going to do? I'm going to sink their stock price even more because I'm going to dump my stock when they do that. Now you've got way more stock than anybody wants. The price is going to plummet. Their value is going to plummet. And they're, they're also trying to bank this on that everyone, they have to have, maybe they have a crystal ball that says everyone that we know that owns Twitter stock, which is everyone in the world except for Elon Musk, wants us to do this. I guarantee you there's a lot of people that only uh, Twitter stocked and going, I want my 54 bucks a share. Let's do this. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think uh, Twitter has a future um, unless Musk buys it because uh, it's a dull platform. They've gotten rid of almost every major conservative yeah. you know, voice uh, and banned a 
president of the United States who yeah. did nothing wrong. It's it, it's an amazing thing to watch that we're watching unfold before us. We've got a clip of uh, Elon Musk at this TED Talk. Uh, Gio, let's do that. Is that clip nine? Why make that offer? Check oh, this so, out. Um, well, I think it's very important for uh, there to be an inclusive arena for free speech uh, where all, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Sounds reasonable. Um, Twitter has become kind of the de facto town square. Um, so uh, it, it, it's just really important that people have the, both the, uh, the reality and the perception uh, that they are able to speak freely within the bounds of the law. Um, and, you know, so one of the things that I believe Twitter should do is open source the algorithm um, and make any changes uh, to people's tweets, you know, if they're emphasized or de-emphasized, uh, that action should be made apparent so you can, anyone can see that that action has been taken. So there's, there's no sort of behind the scenes um, manipulation, either algorithmically or manually. Um, but yeah, the left hates that because they're Last week when we spoke, it. Elon, um, I asked you whether you were thinking of taking over. You said no way. You said, I, I do not want to own Twitter. It is a recipe for misery. Everyone will blame me for everything. What on earth changed? No, I think, I think everyone will still blame me for everything. <laughs> Yeah, if, it, something, if, if I acquire a Twitter and something goes wrong, it's my fault, 100%. <laughs> I, I think there will be quite a few errors, uh, yes. Um, it will, it but, will be miserable, but you still want to do it. Why? I mean, I hope it's not too miserable, uh, but um, I, I, I just think it's important to the fun like, uh, it's, it's important to the fun function of democracy, um, it's important to the function of uh, the United States uh, as, as a free country and on many other countries and to help actually to help freedom in the world uh, so, more broadly than the US um, so, and so I, I think it's uh, it, it's a you know I think there's, there's the, the risk civilizational risk uh, is decreased if Twitter the, the more we can increase the trust of Twitter as a public platform and so I, I do think this will be somewhat painful, and I'm not sure that I will actually be able to to acquire it. Um, and I should also say the, the intent is is to uh, retain as many shareholders as is allowed by the law in a private company, which I think is around 2,000 or so. So we'll, it's, it's not like a, a, it's definitely not, not from the standpoint of let me figure out how to monopolize or maximize my ownership of Twitter, uh, but we'll try to bring along as many shoulders as, we, right. as we're allowed to. You don't um, necessarily want to pay out 40 or whatever it is billion dollars in cash. You'd, you'd like them to come, come with you in, in, in the yeah, new Yeah, but it's, it's, I mean, I mean, I could technically afford it. Um, <laughs> I, I heard that. I heard um, that. But, 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 but um, what I'm saying is this is, this is, this is, a, this is not a, a, a way to sort of make money, you know. I think this is, it's just that I think this is, um, this could, my, my strong intuitive sense is that uh, having a public platform that is maximally trusted um, and, 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 and broadly inclusive um, is extremely important to the future of civilization. But you've, um, you've described I, yourself. I, I don't care about the economics at all. You, okay, that's, that's cool to hear. You, it, this is not about the economics. It, it's for the, the, the moral good that you think it will achieve. You're, you've described yourself, Elon, as a free speech absolutist. 
But does that mean that there's literally nothing that people can't say and it's okay? A good sign as to whether so there is free speech is this is, a great uh, is, is someone you don't like allowed to say something you don't like? And if that is the case, then we have free speech. And it's, it's damn annoying when someone you don't like says something you don't like. That is a sign of a healthy, functioning, uh, free speech situation. Yeah. That, that right there is probably the biggest takeaway from that entire clip is, you know, that's how you know you have free speech. And, and Paul has said it a bunch of times. He may not like what you have to say, but he'll defend your right to say it. And the host is so dishonest, you know, instead of saying, you know, you know, is there no limit? You know, how about, you know, not banning president of the United States, <laughs> you know, from, um, you know, social media platform and, and antitrusting violation, antitrust violations with the cloud services and big tech algorithms with Google reducing Trump's chances of winning. Um, so anyway, um, and the audience, only two people gave a whoop whoop to free speech. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing stuff. Um, of course, this soap opera is going to continue to unfurl. So we'll keep tabs on it and, uh, you know, hopefully free speech wins. Again, it's uh, live from Studio 6B on Real America's Voice. It is a Friday night. We appreciate you taking the time and joining us. Stay there. We'll be back with uh, news and sports right after this. from Studio 6B on a Friday night. Thank you for joining us, Real America's Voice. And remember to uh, share the show, like the show, tell your friends, tell your family uh, that we're here. We keep you entertained, and maybe they might enjoy us too. And, and of course, uh, we've got uh, some sports with Slick Rick coming up in just a moment. We've got news with uh, David Zier in just a moment. Uh, but also, just, just finishing up the, the Elon Musk stuff, uh, because I was looking on Twitter. I still look. Uh, but Cameron Winklevoss, you know that name? Does it sound familiar? No. It's, it's the face. It's the guy who, uh, guy and his, uh, his uh, brother invented Facebook and got stolen from. Um, he, actually, he actually had something of a response to Elon Musk, or he sent a, a tweet out to Elon Musk, who, uh, who then, of course, Elon responded. He said, uh, if Twitter is considering a poison pill to... Thwart Elon's offer, they would be rather self, they they would rather self emulate than give up their censorship programs. This shows you how deeply committed they are to Orwellian control of the narratives and global discourse. Scary. So, Rick, uh, we were discussing that before the show, yeah. and that's the way I feel. That you know, without before seeing that quote, which is excellent, you know, that let this go on because it just exposes Twitter. Right as a bunch of uh, immature millennial brats. <laughs> yeah, and it probably chases more people away. And you had, you had uh, referenced, uh, what, what's her name? Katie what? Uh, Katie Turr uh, from yesterday's show uh, on MSNBC um, talking about Elon Musk and the threat to democracy. So but, we'll throw to that, right? Yeah, as a matter of fact, we have a, uh, an LOL centered just around that. G after you. Twitter 
tourism, it's it's very tricky um, and it's had a large effect on democracies abroad, but also here, um, as we saw yes. last year with the with the insurrection. Um, and we, as we saw in 2016 during the election, it's so tricky, Kara, because it, there are sure. real and devastating consequences for using that platform to lie. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it. We've seen yes. it happen. Yeah. You guys I, do I it wonder, all the time. <sighs> You know, when talking about this, it's, you know, it's kind of funny. Oh, Elon Musk wants to buy it. But there are massive life and globe altering altering consequences for just letting people Mm -hmm. run wild on the thing. And when he's asked whether he's a free speech absolutist, and he says yes, Mm -hmm. uh, I guess what Mm -hmm. does that mean? And and one of the big questions I have as as a member of the media is, would he let someone like Mm -hmm. Donald Trump back on the platform? Someone like someone like Trump. That's wow. ridiculous. Wow, they, they, they it was they, they just needed to get there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they so wanted it. They wanted to get there right from the first syllable, but she knew she had to kind of set it up. But she's and, allowed on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Spewing whatever the, whatever her, you know, her reality is, her Good truth. God. Oh, yeah. my God, those Good people. Lord. Yeah, while she's choking <laughs> on caviar tonight at the oh restaurant, while America suffers and Trump is the only one fighting for them. Sickening. Oh, but I'm not insane. Bitter. All right. Uh, let's do sports because we can't hold him back anymore. Not with that jacket. Slick Rick, what do you got for us, my <laughs> friend? See, I have my little Islander man who I moved off the yes. wall in honor of Mike Bossy. Put him on my mic tonight. And I wore the orange and blue. You know, it's one thing when you report on sports, you know, all the time about different, you know, events that happen and tragedies and deaths. But this one hits straight home, hits me right between the eyes because I grew up with this Islander team. Uh, watching them, I was there the last time they won their Stanley Cup in May 17th of 1983. And this, I'll go on record as saying is the greatest American sports playoff team in the history of sports because they won four Stanley Cups in a row and 19 consecutive playoff series. No team in any professional sport has won 19 consecutive playoff series. And a lot of it was due to this man, Mike Bossy, one of the greatest hockey players of all time, NHL top 100. And it was a really nice statement that the New York Islanders put out earlier today from NewYorkIslanders.com. And I'll read it. The New York Islanders organization mourns the loss of of Mike Bossy, an icon not only on Long Island, but across the entire hockey world. Islanders president and general manager Lou Lamorello said his drive to be the the best every time he stepped on the ice was second to none, along with his teammates who helped him win four straight Stanley Cup championships shaping the history of the franchise forever. And on behalf of the entire organization, we send our deepest condolences to the entire Bossy family and all those who grieve over this tragic loss. Mike Bossy uh, died from lung cancer. Uh, he was only 65 years old, as I said. His career actually was cut short for a back injury. He had an issue with his lower back, but he played like 11 seasons for the Islanders from 77, 78 to 80, 87, 88 season. Uh, and he had nine consecutive seasons of 50 goals or more, which is an incredible feat for any hockey player, and he was the Islanders' um, all-time leading goal scorer, as David said earlier, 573 points. The all-time Islanders' point scorer altogether is Brian Trottier, who's my uh, number one favorite player, but a lot of people love Mike Bossy. He wore the number 22, which hangs in the rafters of now the USB Arena in Belmont uh, that was retired many years ago, hung in the Coliseum as well, and the irony that I geeted out earlier today was Mike Bossy wore number 22, made it iconic in in, in, uh, in 22, and he passed away 
2022. Just amazing. Uh, and a great person died up in Canada. Uh, he was in palliative care earlier this week. I had spoke to a, a friend who uh, was very close with Pat LaFontaine of the New York Islanders who played with Mike Bossy for a few years. And I was informed that it was you know becoming a situation where he was gravely ill. And right. uh, uh, we're going to miss him. A iconic player. And uh, can't say enough. If you have the opportunity, if you're a young person, you're not familiar with it, go and look up Mike Bossy. You'll learn a lot about a great player, a great humanitarian for Long Island. And, uh, you know, actually he was a great broadcaster up in Canada for quite a few years. So we're going to miss him. Just a super, super player. Yeah, you know what? And it's funny that you say that because I was, I was about to say, unlike some players who go from their playing career directly into broadcasting, you really didn't see him once he retired. But I guess he was doing broadcasting in Canada. We just didn't, we just didn't know about it. We didn't see it. Yeah, Hockey Night in Canada, unfortunately, we don't get that Rick right. down here. It's a fantastic event. Every every Friday night they have the Hockey Night in Canada, and it's incredible. And Mike Bossy was a big part of that. Yeah, he was doing a lot with the Toronto Maple Leafs and, and, and some of the other Canadian teams. But, uh, you know, yeah, uh, left the Rick, um, you know, I grew up, I was uh, about 10 to 13 years old during that uh, sure. four Stanley Cup victories in a row. You know, the Pot Fan brothers, Billy yeah. Smith, Clark Gillies, who died in January. I don't know what's going on, but everybody's like 50 or 60, and they're and, dying all of a sudden. And David, uh, Jean Potvin of the island is one of the Potvin brothers, passed away last yep. month. A lot of people don't recall that. So three, so three Islanders, Islanders died in three months. Um, you know, and Trottier and Bossy, and, you know, that what an incredible team. And I'll never forget Bobby Nystrom sure. and Gillies charging across the ice at 100 miles an hour with no helmet on yep. and starting a fight every five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You hit, you hit it, David. You hit a nail on the head, buddy. Yeah. So, uh, and that's a wrap in sports. I'm going to leave it at that, Rick. I have some rodeo and a couple other good reports. We get starting up the USFL tomorrow night. So we're excited. We got that's a little football right. in the playing? spring. Yep. Who's and playing it, tomorrow night? Uh, tomorrow night, too. too uh, oh, the Washington, uh, the New Jersey Generals. Uh, for, uh, Donald Trump's old team that he used to own many uh, years ago. So Herschel they're playing Walker. tomorrow night. I want to tune in and catch that game. I think they're playing Birmingham, but I'll have a report on that uh, in a little bit later. But yeah, the Generals are back in action in Jersey. <laughs> All right. Well, very good. Um, let's see. So we'll do some more sports later. We'll catch yes. up with that. In the meantime, David, anything you want to get to? We got a couple minutes here. Um, yeah, so there's a lot going on as usual. Uh, oil's at $106 a barrel today. Uh, mortgage rates wow. have climbed to 5%, the highest rate in uh, 10 years. And it's Good Friday. Happy That's Easter, right. everybody. Holy Thursday. Yes. Good yep. Friday. It's also tax day. So as my friend Joe Latini said, it's the epitome of death and taxes today. <laughs> I think you can file your taxes Monday, though. Yeah. I think right to the 18th yeah. at midnight. They, they okay. moved it. Don't so, scare anybody. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, everybody's freaking out. They're like, what? what? I thought oh, I didn't see my accountant yet. <laughs> I got to go to H&R Blockhead. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of news. We'll get to it, I think, later. I want to talk about this uh you know, first Russian warship sank since 1905 in wow. the uh, Russo-Japanese War. And um, it's only the second or third major, um, you know, seagoing battle vessel uh, since World War II. Wow. So I want to get into, you know, a little bit about the HMS Sheffield and the Falklands War and some other ships that went down. But this is a very big deal. And there might have been two nukes on board. Yeah. So, um, all yeah. right. So we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit later. We'll talk about that. Ukraine, Russia. We also got some clips from everybody's de uh, favorite doctor. Fauci we'll get to and uh, a lot of good stuff. We also got. Uh, oh, let's see. We got another LOL of the day. And again, we're going to replay the uh, what even is that from last night. So we'll do that a little bit later on in the show. In the meantime, make sure you uh, jump on the chat. Say hello. And uh, yeah, let us know. Let us know how we're doing. It's a Friday night. 
Live from Studio 6B on Real America's Voice. Stay there. from Studio 6B on Real America's Voice. It is an Easter weekend. It's a good Friday night. We appreciate you taking the time and joining us. Uh, remember to follow the show on all the socials, the Getter feed, which is always which is always jamming, and especially the last couple nights. Right, Rick? It's just Absolutely. been it's just been on fire. Um, and that's due to you guys at home watching and, and participating in the show, which I think helps separate us. From any other, you know, kind of, kind of opinionated, kind of, you know, politicky show, which you just kind of sit there, and, and maybe on other networks they're all stuffy, and and, and they don't, yeah. they don't, you don't really feel like you're connecting. At least, at least with the with the feedback that we're getting from you guys, we know we know if we're on the right track, if we're if we're kind of hitting some chords where you guys are going, hey, you know what, that's that's exactly what I was thinking because I think a lot of times that's what happens. People watch stuff. And they might watch other networks or, or hear and be like, finally hearing people. And I think they hear it up and down this network, really. Hearing people say the stuff that they've been thinking. And it's like, oh, finally, somebody's saying what yeah. I've been thinking or, or saying to my friends well, we're in for so long. Absolutely. With the common guy. You know, uh, I've done hundreds of, like, uh, debates on news channels and stuff. And, you know, there's always a teleprompter. For the opposition and you know for the host, <laughs> so, like you know, I love it. Rav, Rav is you know nobody tells us what to say, right? You know, uh, as long as we can back up what we're saying with our life experiences and some facts, you know, uh, it's very liberating. And I think that's why Trump is popular, right? Because he he cuts through it, and there's no pretentiousness here. Yeah, and it's just it's just that connection. I think yeah. that you know kind of separates. Um, what we do with this network at this show up and down the dial, like I mentioned uh, in terms of the time zones from, from, you know, the morning show now with, with Ed Henry and through the entire, and through the entire lineup, I feel like, you know, anytime you're tuning it in and even on the weekends for your show, I mean, you're hearing people say things that you probably have said yourself, thought yourself, maybe you're like, eh, people think I'm crazy if I say something like that. But now yeah. it's starting to it's starting to embolden people. They talk about people waking up or red pilling. It's like you don't have to be, you know, this savvy political speaker like like you know this professional politician type speak, which is just yeah. nobody likes. Nobody enjoy. That's why it's people like, this, like uh, Kamala Harris and, yeah. and Biden. They're failures in real life because they don't know how to talk to real people. It's like this phony reporter saying, "I didn't think the Hunter Biden story was relevant." You know, yes. pretentious BS. Right, uh, and it's evident because Rav covers all of the Trump rallies. I've only been to about a third of them covering them with the network, but everybody loves us and they love the, the, gra the, the grassroots message right. of, of Real America's Voice News. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're in a special time in our history. We're trying to save our republic. Yep. Um, so that's it. Yeah, and it seems like that's starting to resonate with people in terms of, you know, not what you just said there, you know, saving the republic. Some people think, well, that sounds extreme. It might not be. It might be a little bit. Uh, it might be a little bit dicier than you realize uh, if you're you've not been tuned in. Um, but this cut number one from CNN uh, talking about Joe Biden. 
and what they're starting to see, because let's face it, every day it's about the next election. That's that's just what we've learned. Uh, It's how they play the game, so that's now how we have to play the game. And they're starting to see some very troubling trends, and even CNN is now acknowledging it. Cut number one, G, go. Joining us now, Harry Enton, CNN senior data reporter. These numbers are really tough. You know, John, <laughs> I don't like just looking They're at terrible. one poll. Wrong I keyword. like looking at multiple polls. And there were four different polls released this week. Uh, Quinnipiac, we had a uh, hard public opinion strategies polls. That's with NBC or CNBC, Ipsos Reuters, C- CBS News, YouGov. I want you to look. These numbers kind of differ. They range from the low 30s right. to the low Pause 40s. Pause it right low... there for a moment, G, because we've talked about this. Look at all those places that he's referencing in this poll. These are left-leaning polls. These are democratically weighted polls. That's just the way they do them. They do them like that all the time. And you can probably figure the number is probably 10% worse than they're telling I think you. it's worse than that. It could be even worse. I, I was in uh, Iowa on the ground last year in Des Moines, and like 6% of the independent vote is moving over back to Trump. Trump's more popular now than when he was president, right. especially with independents. And I, I just wanted to say, like in Iowa, I think the real number was 17% approved Biden at that time. Wow. All right, let's continue on, G. 40s is not good either. But what's key is the lowest are tied for the low for the pollster. Lowest tier, lowest tier. This is one point off the lowest, lowest tier. And when you have three or four pollsters showing the lowest numbers for the president of the United States, that is indicative of a president who's in a lot of trouble, at least to where he has standed historically. Well, let's talk about history here. How does Joe Biden, President Biden, compare to former President Trump in this stage of the presidency? You know, there was always that thing. Oh, Donald Trump has the lowest approval rating at this point in his presidency. We did it over and over and over and over again. Well, at this point in his presidency, Donald Trump's numbers actually his average approval rating is one point higher than Joe Biden's, which is at 41 percent, Donald Trump at 42 percent, a first term president at this point in his presidency. uh, This is the lowest. This is the lowest for anyone who was elected to the presidency and didn't get up there through the vice presidency. This is a really, really, really bad number. Yeah, a really bad number that's even inflated. So you could imagine there might be a, a, a three or a two in front of that one. I think it's really 60, 32 <laughs> <laughs> Trump over Biden. Yeah, it, it's just amazing. And, and they keep but but you know what? There seems to be nothing that they won't, you know, just it, let's just keep doubling down on the message. We think is working. It's, it, it's the same stupid people doing the same stupid stuff, uh, preaching to the same idiots that did keep eating this stuff up. And luckily for us. You know, we've seen it. We we, we can kind of smell what well, they're you cooking. you can see what, like, CNN is right. doing. They're backpedaling to try to capture the independent vote back. Yeah. So now they're, like, critical of Biden all of a sudden. A little they bit. know where they're screwed in November. Right. So now here's uh, cut number two, um, because, you know, Joe Biden never saw uh, failure as something to stop at. Let's go for more. Uh, cut number two, G, go. You know, I ran for president to deliver the promise of America for all Americans. When I became president, one of the first things I did, I signed an executive order to advance equality and racial justice throughout our federal policies and all our institutions. That's because delivering the promise of America is not the work of one department. It has to be the business of the whole of the federal government. 
And today, I'm proud to report that more than 90 federal agencies, including every cabinet department, are releasing more than 300 concrete and intentional actions and commitments to address systematic barriers to prosperity, equality, opportunity, and dignity everywhere. You can review it all here at whitehouse.gov slash equity. Squinting. You'll find how agencies are taking ambitious action to protect the wages and our, of hourly workers, eliminate the racial gap workers? in home ownership, increase capital for small business, leverage federal contracting for minority-owned and women-owned small businesses, deliver environmental justice, environmental reduce justice. barriers there to transportation, invest in higher education, improve maternal and child health, and so much more. The bottom line, advancing equity is not a one-year project. It's a generational commitment. These plans are an important step forward, reflecting the Biden-Harris administration's work to make the promise of America real for every American. And I mean every American. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ugh. Don't go don't go maskless in a vacuum. Yeah, I figured it out. <laughs> so so he wants to keep advancing. Oh, we're, we're going to do this stuff for, for racial equality. You know what? Um, we pretty much already uh, we had that for a while until the media and the Democrats got involved and decided, hey, you know what? Everybody's a racist here. Learn this CRT. It's called CRT. Are you talking about advancing that there, Joe? Are you talking about that, how, how it's invading our school system? Are you talking That's about, like uh, I don't know, transgenders, uh, women, or, or you could call them women. I still call them dudes, uh, trying to take over the women's sports. You're talking about that? Is that equality? The no, speech, because uh, the, the, real, the real war on women is being waged by liberals like this lunatic. The whole speech should just be called, sorry, white men. <laughs> you, you could say that or, or uh, but but really it, the democratic party likes to tout well we're all for racial equality look at every place that they run every major city every sing- and he's talking about programs oh we'll, we'll keep giving you money why why, why would not you try empowering people so they don't need your money so they can make their own as opposed to we need more programs so let's tax you and then give you some more of your own money back in a program that you probably don't even need that's going to run terribly because that's it's run like by the government don't happen in the vacuum <laughs> Right. No one wants to have an honest discussion, you know, uh, even intellectual liberal Democratic senators on his deathbed. Daniel Moynihan said, you know, that he created an intergenerational subdependency in the welfare state and a new species of person where an entitlement mentality runs three to four generations deep by supporting Lyndon Johnson's great society. And when they approved welfare, they took the father out of the home. Yep. And it affected white Appalachia, too, in the coal mining city. So it's not just a minority thing, but... um. You know, nobody wants to be honest. No, and, definitely uh, you, not. The, it, father, it, it, the father should have to remain in the home to receive a check. That's right, my opinion. Right. And uh, you're speaking about honesty. Uh, that continues throughout the Biden family. Cut number four. That's right. Joe's sister was out doing it again. Valerie Biden. This oh. time she was on. Uh, she was talking about running the campaign for Joe. Listen to this <laughs> nonsense. There's a passage in your book that, uh, in its way, describes the stakes in the last presidential campaign when you're describing uh, the candidate that your brother was running against this time, Donald Trump. It says about Donald Trump, he had the mind not of a president, but of a vengeful dictator and running against him felt almost degrading to put this man on the same stage in the same league as my brother to present this guy (laughs) as an alternative to Joe Biden was nauseating. (laughs) As a sister and a citizen, 
I was appalled. We are appalled. But we now know you. in today's news that apparently he will not be on a presidential stage again because Republicans have pulled out of the very concept of presidential debating. But uh, that what? indicates yeah, actually, that we'll the stakes that. for you in that election could not have been greater uh, in, in who you were trying to keep out of the White House for the next four, four years. Yeah, uh, there are two parts to that the debate, which I'll get to. But the in, in 2020 was the only election that I that I was not enthusiastic about Joe getting in because I believed and I was not disappointed in my expectations um, that the former president would do anything he could to destroy my brother and my family and to go after them. I knew that we oh, would I believe that we would be a target. And we were. And you are and, still. Uh, I thought, you know, gee, why, why Joe? I mean, why? Where'd you get and the Joe said mask? to me um, after Charlottesville, he said, Val, if I, I can't look in the mirror and walk away of who Joe Biden is because I'm afraid of a bully. Remember, Joe, when he was a little kid, from the time he was a little kid, he stuttered terribly. He couldn't string more than three or four words together. He still can't. <laughs> so he knows what changed. it's like to be bullied and to be, to be shunned and to be put in your place. And he said, I am not walking away because of fear. I'm going to I believe that I have something to say that meshes with the American values of of, uh, of <laughs> this of returning the soul, restoring the soul of America rebuilding the middle class and uniting us. And that's just what he did. There's no daylight between the private man and, and the public person in my brother. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> a perfect finish. It's like watching Pravda. <laughs> I know. It's, it's amazing. The criminal family that grifts together stays together. Also known as the Bidens. All right, live from Studio 6B, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. David will do some news. Slick Rick will do some sports. And, uh, yeah, we'll continue this Friday night live from Studio 6B on Real America's Voice. Stay there. Studio 6B on Real America's Voice. It is Good Friday, and we welcome you to the show Friday night. David Zier sitting in for Paul doing news. Slick Rick, as always, looking dapper and sharp. He's got sports in just a moment. Hey, just a reminder, too, at the top of the hour. Again, this is a holiday weekend. As, as you know, Damon's not here. He uh, is on vacation for the next week, but he had to leave today. Uh, so we did What Even Is That last night? Kind of get him and Paul involved. And uh, you know, a lot of people uh, enjoyed it. So we're going to replay that at the top of the hour. So you can get to see that. If you missed it, you'll get to see Damon in a bathing suit on a surfboard. That'll be cool. Uh, and then, uh, of course, we'll continue the show on after that. And, and really, if you're on Getter, on the Getter feed, on the Getter chat, uh, make sure you, uh, you know, tell us hi. And follow Mod2. We love Mod2, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Hey, hey, David, real quick. Uh, right. We're going to go do sports. But remind people where they can see you on Saturdays. Uh, my show is Breaking Point uh, with David Zier because uh, we're all at a breaking point. Uh, <laughs> it airs Saturday morning tomorrow at 7 a.m. Anybody uh, so in particular you got tomorrow? 
Um, yeah, I have some great guests tomorrow. I have uh, Harley Lippman, who helped write the Abraham Accords and uh, oh, wow. the, the United Arab Emirates deal with Israel. Wow. Uh, guy's fascinating. Um, and uh, I also have hotelplanner.com, uh, chief communications officer, talking about chaotic Passover and Easter travel uh, coming up on you know this weekend. Yep. Uh, I have Anthony um, Figiola running in the 1st Congressional District. Um, here in uh, New York's first congressional district and uh, others. So it's going to be a very exciting show. All right. And that's tomorrow morning. That is tomorrow morning. 8 a.m. right here on Real America's Voice. Let's kick it over to Slick Rick and get some sports going. Rick, what do you got for us, uh, Islander man? All right. Well, that's Slick Rick Sports brought to you by (laughs) MyPillow.com. Don't forget Mike Lindell. And if you're talking to talk to Mike or any of the girls over there, make sure you tell them that Slick Rick is looking for that purple robe because I want to use my LFS6B code to get my purple robe to match my purple slippers and slip into my purple sheets. That's what it's all about. So uh, good stuff. Hey, it's Friday. Friday night, I got to get to the rodeo. Just one rodeo I have in action just underway. The Red Bluff Roundup. That's in Red Bluff, California, Rick. The Frank Moore Arena. Steer wrestling, second round. Stetson Jorgensen, four seconds flat. Picked up 2186 bucks. Team roping, second round. Clint Summers and Ross Ashford, five and a half seconds. 2297 for those boys. And tie down roping, second round. We have a tie. Marcus Costa and uh, Taylor Santos, 8.9 seconds each. 2253 for both. Total payout so far, $79,925. And the payout for the whole weekend, 160 big ones, guys. So we'll have a full report Monday night and a recap on the other rodeos as well. San Antonio. Antonio Rodeo also back in action. However, no results as of yet. And we have Friday night. We got the playoffs, NBA action, play in, win or go home, Atlanta at Cleveland. Um, that game just underway, just tipped off a little while ago at the Rocket and Mortgage Fieldhouse in the great state of Ohio. We love Ohio, Ohio, and that's Cleveland, baby. <laughs> so we'll see how they, I think Atlanta's going to pull that one out. I do think they're going to they're going to take it. Trey Young is just a, such a stone-cold shooter when, he's, when it comes down to the clutch, and I think they'll pull it out. And uh, New Orleans at the Clippers. That's a 10 p.m. tip, Rick. And that's going to be at the Crypto.com Arena. We formerly known as the Staples Center in downtown L.A. So it should be a good game. And then we got the playoffs coming up over the weekend. And I know LFS6B. I know a lot of our fans. We're not big NBA people, but I'm a big NBA guy. So is Big D. So we're going to report on it. And, you know, give it a shot. Basketball is not so bad. Um, and uh, so Saturday, we got some big tip-offs. You got Utah at Dallas, Minnesota at Memphis, Toronto at my sixes in Philly, the Wells Fargo Center, 6 o'clock, Rick. Slick Rick will be dialed in. And uh, Denver at Golden State out west. And Sunday, we're going to see who wins that uh, that Cleveland-Atlanta game right now. They'll play Miami Heat down in Miami. And Brooklyn at Boston. Great game up in Boston at the TD Garden. That's on Sunday. Chicago at Milwaukee. And, of course, another TB determined. We'll see what happens with that Clipper game tonight. I think they're going to pull it out, too. However, uh, you know, uh, some interesting news developing earlier. CBS Sports Report, uh, Los Angeles Clippers will be out there for their stop. Paul George, who tested positive yeah. for what? COVID. COVID. Spanning the globe to bring yeah. in the constant variety of COVID in sports. He <laughs> have it at Slick Rick. So we're going to have that. That's going to really hurt them because he had 34 the other night in the playoff game with uh, with uh, New Orleans. They're going to miss him dearly, and that may cost them the game a positive COVID test. And I'm sure he's feeling fine, but, you know, with the protocols, he's out. And uh, anyway, Rick, back to you. That's a wrap in sports for this yeah, segment. And if you picked Paul George as your favorite player, guess what? 
You lose, right, That's, right, Rick? You lose. That's it. Water, <laughs> the great water wolf. All right, Rick. Thank you so much. We'll do some more sports in just a little bit. Uh, David, I know you had some uh, stuff about China you wanted to get into. Yeah, it's a mess. Um, Guangzhou, Shanghai, Hong Kong, under strict COVID lockdown tyranny, very tight constraints. Uh, the Chinese police are even hiding in the forest. What? Looking for people without, are you serious? without wearing, wet, ma- wearing masks who are hiking. <laughs> so um, it's very serious. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's very well, serious. Well, uh, we, have, uh, we have some video from, from Shanghai. Yeah, watch this. Check this out. Cut number 13, G. This is, again, this is from Shanghai in China. Police clashing with citizens. This is lockdown. This is what it looks like to be locked down in communist China. Look at this. They're taking people into quarantine. And I believe they're separating the men from the women and children, which I don't understand why you would do that. If everybody's, you know, if there's a family you got to put in quarantine, why not keep them together? Talk about stormtroopers, huh? That's I wonder how the NBA feels about this. Yeah. Or Nike. Yeah, or Nike. Or I'm, Apple. Sure, I'm sure they're wearing Nikes. Or LeBron. Or Apple. This is insane. This, and this this just happened. This is not like, you know, History Channel footage. This is terrible. There's something like 300 million people are under lockdown right now in China in some capacity. At what point do the Chinese people... Say enough is enough. Not going to happen. This is insane. So I have some friends in Hong Kong, you know, and business owners um, who are friends. And they they said that like 60% of the businesses are gone or going out of business, you know. um. Look at this. You can see that they're focusing on one, one person who's being held down. Let's just say um, they don't believe in freedom over in uh, China. Ah. Look at this. And again, this is, this, is not, this is not something that's in black and white that's from the History Channel you hear about. It's like, oh, my goodness, imagine, imagine back then. No, this is back then is, is like a day or two ago. And just remember, today is National Security Education Day in China. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there'll be... Educated on security, you know, and the Apparently. COVID numbers um, worldwide were down about twenty percent in the last week. Um, they're up about twenty percent, um, I think, in the United States in the last week. So uh, get ready to mask up your children again. Um, get ready for midterm election chaos. Uh, well, that's what they want. I predict it's coming back. Yeah, they they want the mask because the mask hides the face. If they're going to send out their yeah. their stormtroopers into the streets to to scare people off and to try and cause some some ruckus, uh, whether it's near election day or what have you, that is that is going to be what they'll do. They, yeah. they need it to cover the face. Like New York State uh, has about eight nine thousand infections per day. We were at three thousand a week or two ago. But, you know, uh, it's all BS. You know, in Florida, there were only 2,500 infections yesterday out of like 19 million people. Uh, but the big lie will be pushed again. Yeah. And um, 
Yep. 300 people died in the United States yesterday from COVID. 7,000 died from other things. <laughs> well, we'll we'll see what happens with those numbers as as they now start to own up to some of some of what uh, you know they're going to have to do to readdress those numbers because they're figuring out oh not everybody died of this yeah and, yeah they're going to have to redress probably them. half uh, reminder we're about to do a replay of last night so what even is that coming up at the top of the hour so don't think we're replaying a whole show if you're just tuning in then you're not going to see me say this, so whatever. Um, (laughs) Enjoy that. We'll be back. Real America's Voice, live from Studio 6B. Stay there. We are back with hour two. First hour was fun, and uh, we really appreciate everyone being here and uh, you know sharing is caring. We got to get the numbers up, and you know uh, it's uh, you know it's, the audience is phenomenal. The, the chat group is great. We really appreciate, and we're just so grateful uh, for everybody at Rav and to be connected to guys like David Zier and being on the same network with guys like Ed Henry and, and Steve Bannon. Um, you know, it's an honor to serve you guys and, and share the news and have fun, poke fun at it with you. So, you know, we're, you know, we're at Dish Network 219, Pluto TV 240. We are on uh, Samsung. Um, so, guys, please just keep sharing it and keep telling your friends. Help us build the show back up. Uh, social media's made it very difficult on Big D and, uh, and the crew here. So, you know, hey, by um, the way, someone on Twitter says because of all the outrage over Elon Musk, Elon Musk is buying Twitter. Yikes. What's next? Jeff Bezos going to buy a massive newspaper? <laughs> <That's good. laughs> again the cia yeah. mouthpiece yeah and, and now what's to stop elon musk from saying you know what i see your uh i see your your purchase there at vanguard and i raise you another couple yeah, you million buy amazon uh, shares. uh i mean nothing nothing right? nothing stopping him but it's still good business or bad business and honestly and all let's be honest i mean if he decides to pull his money out and they're basically saying that they don't support free speech more and more people will leave. It will be an echo chamber for the left, and it'll just they'll just be bouncing their nonsense off one another. They'll be making no impact other than on themselves and the trolls that, that exist there. And money and, and network and mass adoption will just move to places like Getter and Truth Social. Listen, didn't we say this when he bought 9.2%? What did we say? It, effectively, he's got 51%. Right. Even at 9.2, with his, with his following and his reach... He effectively had 51%. And when he made the move to not go on the board, we said, probably the thing to do. Yeah, it made more sense. That uh, he... Not tie him down. So. Yeah. And he just made a cash offer. So you know he's got money in hand. Yeah. I just wonder if he does have, if he is taking financing from you know other investors and people within his group. That's a lot of bread to come up with. But uh, you know, I want to go to my favorite segment on the show, the oldest and only <laughs> segment on the show. <laughs> Uh, we have what even is that with Ricky D Uh, 
All right. Well, thank you, Paul, and I appreciate it. And, uh, well, as you all know, this weekend, the, the Easter holiday weekend is upon us, and that means the kids are on break from school. And like our own Damon, people will be traveling. Yeah, they'll be off to see Grandma, whether you're off to see Grandma or maybe you're off to the Grand Bahamas. Uh, people will be flooding the airports in hopes of getting to their destinations. But as we all know, Man, oh man, stressed out travel oh, has become a major concern. Yeah, airline, one. airline carriers are decimated during the pandemic, and they will try to recover uh, and deal with the unnecessary mass mandate confusion. They've also taken a hard hit with inflation, of course, soaring operating costs, flight cancellations due to being short-staffed as well. But it's times like this when an industry like this is going through such turmoil that brings about change and innovation. And the latest innovating news comes from the major carriers known as American Airlines. Yeah, it's the world's oldest and largest airline when measured by fleet size, uh, scheduled passengers carried, revenue passenger per mile. American operates an extensive international and domestic network of almost 6,800 flights a day and nearly 350 destinations in more than 50 countries. So then I was thinking, okay, this should be exciting because, well, they are the number one airline in the world, right? And when confronted with challenges, uh, that's why they end up innovating. It's probably something that would make even Elon Musk, he would be jealous of. So now I'm thinking, I'm trying to imagine, what would this new fangled mode of travel transportation be? I mean, it's got to be something so miraculous that just the thought of it would blow your mind, right? Yeah. Hmm, I wonder what it could possibly look like. And then, then I saw this headline. Check this out. Yeah. American Airlines is introducing ground travel. Wait, um, what even is that ground travel? What ground service? You mean you mean like driving? Seriously? <laughs> like take the bus? Yeah. Are, are they are they kidding? It says here that, that that right here from the article it says they want you to check in far from the airport. Um, I don't know about you, but that just means that they don't that they want to bus you from one airport to the other so they don't have to fly you there. Oh, let me ask you this. What's next, American Airlines? Sneakers so you can hitch a ride to your next destination? Man, we were, we were promised flying cars by now, but instead, <laughs> what we're getting are the latest innovation tools of travel from the airline industry. It's probably the last thing anybody wants to travel in. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And it's quest to make more and more people hate the airline industry, I guess, instead of focusing on, I don't know, better planes, better service, and on-time flights, American Airlines wants you to hit the road. So now instead of dealing with air traffic, they're trying to sucker you into paying them money so you can sit in real traffic. You know, what most of us do every day for free. Yes, the thrill of flying will now be replaced with the most god-awful <laughs> mode of travel, a bus. You know, those things, those things we see on the roadways of America where everyone on them looks like they've been abducted. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. A FEMA camp. <laughs> yes. Exactly. The bus, the chosen mode of transportation of the teen runaway. Ah, the, the bus. <laughs> Where the, the teen runaway. Hope you don't yeah. have to go to the well, yeah. authority for that one. <laughs> Where the only smell more foul than the blue toilet water that occasionally splashes up on the backside oh. of you as you hover over, not wanting to make your skin touch or make contact. Oh, come on, is that oh, is that of the stranger seated next to you who decides, hey, this feels just like home, decides to take off their shoes and socks oh. so you can get a good whiff of their undiagnosed fermenting toenail growth. <laughs> 
Hey, American Airlines, if this is your idea of flying the American way, thanks, but no thanks. I prefer you just open the hatch and push me out at 30,000 feet. I guess that's what happens when things start to break down. What's old is new, uh, and in this case, what's old is, I guess, really old. So anyone anyone traveling this weekend, I hope you make it to your destination. And for those of you flying, good luck. You just might need it, especially if your plane looks like this. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Flintstone, back to you. Can, can I add something to that? Uh, I interviewed the uh, chief communications officer of hotelplanner.com today. And, um, you know, it, it's a mess out there. And I've been flying a lot, you know, for the network and stuff. You know, they lost 38 bags on one of my flights. American oh. Airlines had their customers on the runway for hours uh, just to depart the plane. Um, and I, you know, I have a daughter returning from Spain on Sunday. Um, hotel planner told me, don't expect her back. <laughs> no, but, um, JetBlue has been a nightmare. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, things are uh, upside down in the uh, travel industry right now. Uh, just plan on getting to the airport three hours early cause I'm pre-check. Right? Yeah, TSA pre-check, and I still had to wait an hour and a half. Thank off. God I had a foot injury. I got ahead of the line and made my flight. Um, you have to get there really early. You guys are no, really getting Damon excited. Yeah, I'm so excited. I'm overwhelmed. He's going to leave right now. Buy in a crate, put some produce in wow. it, lay down with some pillows, and just ship yourself FedEx. You'll be way better off. I should have done the NetJets <laughs> thing. I just knew it. should have done the G5. Hey, yeah. Nice. Right? Yeah. It's the only way to travel. <laughs> yeah. I just, want, I just want to know why David needs 36 uh, pieces of luggage to travel. David, where the hell are you going, man? 38? <laughs> no, but... Uh, it's for it, an overnight trip, too. Listen, uh, <laughs> you know, New York airports suck. Oh, and uh, oh, I, I really? love going to, you know, other airports around the country. You know, I, I just flew into Myrtle. Like and it was like flying into like a bus stop of just kind, gentle, sweet people. <laughs> flying to Myrtle, they're like, welcome to Myrtle. You know, they're like, it's like they're putting lays on you. They're, they're giving you like lemonade and tea. Palm like, Beach Airport's probably the nicest Palm airport Beach in the country. Palm Beach Fort Lauderdale, just so easy to get in and yeah, out. Yeah, Lauderdale has problems. Oh, Lauderdale has a lot of issues, yeah. I was never. there. I had to wait for an hour because the TSA people were late for their job. Oh. So I almost missed the flight. Well, you can't expect them to be there on time. I mean, it's... Da- Damon, you look really excited about your trip. <laughs> Sorry, Damon. I can't wait. 9.30 tomorrow morning. With his mask on already. Oh, can't yeah. Wait. Sure. Oh, yeah. After, after every airline CEO in the United States wrote Biden and said, the masks do nothing, let's take them off, he extends the trip. 15 days. Make sense of it for Perfect me. 15 timing. days. Yeah. 15 days. What's the difference? They knew I was traveling. That was exactly. the difference. That's it. <laughs> oh, God. It don't, is a disaster. Just don't get strip searched. All right. Well, Rick, that was great. <laughs> Thank you. Man. That was funny, kid. That was good. Uh, just as well, a follow-up, by the way, to the Twitter situation, I see this, um, I guess, from the New York Times today, one specific article about Agarwal. I guess he's the new CEO after Dorsey yeah, left. Yeah. yeah, he's a buffoon, So it says, Mr. Agarwal tried to put on a strong face when rallying the troops. They had this all-hands-on-deck board meeting today, telling employees that he felt that, quote, everything would work out as it should, two of the people said. Some employees expressed frustration that Mr. Agrawal had not been more forthcoming as Mr. Musk first began quietly buying up enormous amounts of the company's stock, according to two of the people. Mr. Agrawal said that the board had spoken with Mr. Musk several times and its members believed that they were aligned on key issues. 
Well, though, so that's our that's already a lie, or he's delusional as Biden is. Because if you listen to Elon Musk talk about Twitter, his whole thing is about free speech, not about the money. Mm-hmm. He could buy this himself in cash and have thirty billion dollars more than Jeff Bezos currently is his net worth. That's how rich and far ahead Elon Musk is. He could buy this himself and still be number one by $30 billion. And he was great in Casino Royale. <laughs> so this yeah. is not about the money. And, it's, is, and he says it's all about the public town square and that the algorithm's got to be made public and there can't be any funny business going on. He did a TED Talk today. I listened to it. He's right on the money with what he says about what he sh- sees as far as Twitter and possibly even decentralizing it, even more so. You know, we talked earlier about the um, leftists, um, the totalitarian, totalitarian leftists, all saying how this world needs less speech, we need less free speech, we need more moderation. And it's it's truly stunning to me that anybody can't see the simple concept that the only key to, to st- stopping hate speech is more speech. Because when hate speech emerges, we know exactly who these but lunatics these people are. And, are like, yeah, I'm sorry. And, no, no, and that's just the point I was good, is that at the end of the day, that the only way we'll ever have any real discourse and real conversation is by confronting each other's views. And if you have oppositional defiance with somebody's arguing against you, you'll get the steadiest move forward. There is no progress when things just get propelled forward in, in an echo chamber with just one idea. So I was just going to say, you know, and these kids are 35 year old, you know, millennials, uh, they don't realize how transparent and shallow they are when they're you know, blocking <laughs> people and committing, in my view, an antitrust issue, big tech algorithms, you know, um, and then the web services and collaboration with the social media outputs. It's an antitrust issue for me, but they don't even realize that they're idiots. Well, here's the last part. That's why they're called useful idiots. Here's the last part of this this thing. It says, other employees suggested to Mr. Agarwal that he should be tweeting more to counter Mr. Musk's aggressive tweets. And still others asked what a takeover would do to their stock compensation and to the company's culture, which is known to be inclusive given the stories of racism in Tesla facilities, they say. Oh, please. Here, now we start with the social... Let's synchronize out. So, guys, stick around. We'll be back uh, after this with a little more sports and news. And we have a bunch more clips, so keep sharing. Sharing is caring. And everybody... For the first time, Amazon will now charge sellers a 5% fuel and inflation surcharge. The new fee set to start April 28th. The company's response to the highest inflation rate in this country in 40 years. The move comes ahead of President Biden's remarks this afternoon on the administration's ongoing efforts to lower costs for Americans and take the kinks out of supply chain. CNN's Matt Egan is live with with more. Uh, Are we going to see a lot of companies doing the same? Yeah, Jim, this really does show how companies are taking matters into their own hands when it comes to mm-hmm. high 
costs for everything, including uh, fuel. You know, they're passing along these costs to the firms they do business with, and eventually those firms pass them along to you and I, the consumers. Um, and right now, you know, we have consumer prices rising at the fastest pace in 40 years. Supply is weak, demand is strong, and you know, prices have nowhere to go but up. Amazon says this is the first time that they've done this in the company's 27-year history. They had hoped not to. They expected that inflation would sort of get back towards normal this year, but obviously that has not been the case. Oh, I want to sound like Damon. It sounds like the blues. <laughs> why, why do I sound like I'm like 87 years old? Oh, sounds like the blues. Um, no, but but I think I think I think that clip kind of spells out what we're talking about. If you've got the blues, it's probably because you see what's happening to prices as they continue to rise and the value of the dollar continues to go down. And guess what? Mr. Trying to shake hands with a ghost, the President Biden, uh, he's stumping to spend more of your money. As a matter of fact, I think they, I think one of the advisors called his $1.9 billion, trillion dollar stimulus last year a, a huge mistake, and we're starting to see the ramifications. So if you're considering your financial alternatives right around now, believe me, I don't blame you. If, if paper money is worthless, how do you go about protecting your hard-earned savings? Well, one of the options to consider are the good people that handle Birch Gold. Birch Gold Group, they will uh, take care of you with physical and gold and silver. They are the ones to talk to. Birch Gold, they are the experts in precious metals, and they have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands upon thousands of customers. Hey, why don't you take a, take a chance and see if maybe you might be one of them? Just reach out to them. More importantly, they can show you options. You can buy gold coins. You can convert an existing IRA to a gold IRA, and you can even convert an eligible 401k to a gold IRA. All you need to do is get started. Very simple. Text America to 989898 and Birch Gold will send you a free information kit so you can check it out for yourself with no obligation whatsoever. Uh, they'll show you how to protect your gold and silver investments in a tax-sheltered account. And who doesn't like the sound of that? Nobody likes taxes. So get the facts and get started today. you got nothing to lose. Text the word AMERICA to 989898 and get your free information kit from Birch Gold. They've made it super easy. Like I said, just grab your phone, punch it in, AMERICA to 989898. And find out how owning gold and silver can help you protect your and your family's savings. And, uh, you know, let's face it, when you're talking about money and, you and you know, you saw it from that report. Now we're hearing from Amazon, probably the world's biggest seller, right? Online seller. Yep. They're going to be uh, uh, adding a surcharge. I think I saw, um, what is it, Uber uh, was doing the same now. There's going to be a surcharge oh. as well because fuel prices have gone up. Yeah. It's um, already a fortune, Uber. It's, yeah. it's out of this world. Yeah, it got very expensive. Yeah, and, and, and you see the administration, they keep trying to spin it, spin it. No, it's not us. It's not us. As a matter of fact, I've got proof of that. Cut number seven. Here's the mainstream media actually checking out their uh, Putin price hike myth that they're trying to sell. Gee, go. We should note the White House had kind of been bracing for this report, Dana. They had said that they believed these numbers 
were going to be extraordinarily elevated, and certainly they are very elevated today. And so that is really going to be a focus of the White House. And I would expect to hear the president say Putin's price hike once or twice during the speech, given that has been the way that they have been talking about this since this invasion started. Of course, gas prices had been going up before this. The Oops. increase in prices obviously long predates the war. We've Oops. been seeing inflation rise um, for most of the past year. In fact, for the last six months, inflation has been above the Fed's average target of 2%. Um, so this is not just about the war. This is about persistent supply do. chain problems. <laughs> and it's about the fact that demand is really, really strong, in part because of policy choices that we've made. The White House says those price jumps are happening because of the war and what they call, quote, Putin's price hike. But remember, prices started spiking well before the war in Ukraine began. CBS News polling out this week shows nearly 70 percent of Americans disapprove of President Biden's handling of inflation. Sixty six percent say the higher prices have been difficult or a hardship. Yeah. And and those numbers and we played that clip where they were showing the polls, that's reflective in those polls. And again, those polls that they did, you know, let's face it, take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, it shows them as the worst uh, approval rating. Probably it's a lot worse than what they're showing you because, you know, let's face it, those are abysmal numbers. And they're only going to continue to get worse because they're going to keep pushing this. Well, it's a Putin price hike. It's Putin's fault. It's it's everybody else but me. You know what? You shouldn't be out there uh, trying to buy stuff. It's causing prices to go. They're going to blame everybody and the American people as well. Yeah, we're supposed to live on lentils, according to them. Yeah. And All right. Cor- and corn fuel. Well, well before, uh, before I forget, we got to cut it over to sports and slick. Rick, what do you got, Rick? Well, Rick, we got a couple things going on tonight. Obviously, uh, big, big weekend. USFL starting back up. We're so excited about that. We can't wait. Um, that it's going to be a great weekend uh, with that. Uh, in fact, the Washington, Washington, well, it's not Washington now, it's New Jersey. <laughs> the New Jersey team is uh, going to be playing this weekend, and that's former Trump's team, which is, uh, again, tremendous weekend coming up with that. So UFL players to watch seems to kick off weekend. Steve Gardner and Jim Reining of USA Today. Uh, when the uh, revived USL begins its 10-week regular season this weekend, NFL and college football fans will see some familiar names dotting the uh, rosters of the league's eight teams. The league kicks off on Saturday when the Birmingham Stallions host the New Jersey Generals in a game broadcast on both NBC and Fox. Both networks are going to play, which is really wild. Uh, and it is up. Uh, yeah, so Birmingham is visiting the New Jersey Generals. Uh, and on off- offense, former Broncos first-round pick pa- Paxton Lynch is part of the uh, Michigan Panthers uh, dynamic quarterback duo. He'll uh, compete for a job with uh, Shea Patterson, the number one overall pick in the recent USFL draft, who played collegially at Ole Miss and Michigan. So a couple of familiar names. A couple of familiar coaches as well. And uh, next year will be the XFL. So don't get confused because you got the USFL and the XFL. And, of course, we have the NFL. And the draft is going to kick off in two weeks. But uh, we will be looking forward to that. I'm going to catch that game. I'm going to tune in uh, Saturday night at 8 p.m. That should be a lot of fun. Now, let me ask you this, Rick. When when you talk about the XFL and the USFL, are they going to be playing both after the NFL seasons? Yes, yeah, absolutely. So, so they're going to be playing at the same time? No. The season ends like for the NFL Super Bowl is usually second week now in February. They pushed right. it back a little. And then what will happen is the USFL and the XFL are scheduled. The XFL is scheduled to kick off the third week in February, right after the NFL season. And then the USFL is a little bit more of a spring league. They roll out now, like mid-April. Okay. Okay. So that'll be the schedule. As far as I know, that's going to be the schedule for next year. Yeah. All right. And, and uh, hey, big day today, Jackie Robinson Day. Uh, this is the 75th 
anniversary, April 15th, 1947, the great Branch Rickey, president and uh, then owner of the Brooklyn Dodgers, when they used to play in Brooklyn, uh, he, he broke the color barrier, and this is something that really just changed the sports world and culture in general forever by putting Jackie Robinson, who actually was one of the best Major League Baseball players of all time. He really was an incredible player. And uh, anyway, this is from ESPN. Jackie Robinson's legacy continues to influence Major League Baseball 75 years after he broke the league's color barrier with the Brooklyn Dodgers. Robinson was a star from the moment he stepped on the field, excelling despite an environment of hatred and abuse from the other players and fans. And he went through a lot. You know, I mean, those stories have been well documented in books and movies, what he had went through him, both him and his wife. Uh, and uh, baseball retired Robinson's number 42 league-wide in 1997. And in 2004, established Jackie Robinson Day, on which the league would honor his memory on the anniversary of April 15th, 1947. Uh, players, managers, and umpires all wear number 42 every April 15th, and each team pays tribute to Robinson in its own way. Uh, the Dodgers owner, Branch Rickey, changed the American sports, as I said earlier, uh, in general forever with that with that move. And I got to tell you, you can't talk enough about that. What a great moment in sports history, American history, great for society, and uh, wow, just opened up a whole new world, Rick. Really was great to be yeah, Jackie Robinson. Exactly. So, and that's a wrap in sports. I just wanted right. to mention Ed Henry wrote 42 Faith about Jackie Robinson, our very own Ed Henry. Really? really? Go out and order it today. It's an incredible book. It's the Jackie Robinson story. What's it called? 42 Faith. 42 Faith. Ed Henry. Ed Henry. Ed Henry. Ed Henry. Bestseller. New York Times bestseller. David Zier with, uh, with, with, with fun facts. See, you get everything here. Live from Studio 6B on Real America's Voice. We'll be back. Stay there. Live from Studio 6B on Real America's Voice. Happy Easter from all of us here at Real America's Voice. We appreciate you taking the time and joining us here on the show. Uh, it's flying by once. It always seems to fly by when David's in because yeah. he's uh, he's he's always got a ton of stuff and he's got he's going a mile a minute. We got to keep up with him. We'll do some news in just a moment, but. Uh, we did have this, uh, of course. You know, we, we played a couple. Uh, we talked a little bit about President Biden. Uh, well, what show wouldn't be complete unless we included his his running mate, Vice President Kamala Harris, as she's the star of this next LOL of the day. G go. Thank you, Jonah, for that beautiful performance. You're welcome. Thank you. These two are idiots. And I, I now have the honor of doing one of my favorite things, and that's introducing my wife, our vice president, Kamala Harris. <laughs> well, thank you, Doug, the first second gentleman of the United States. Um, greetings, everyone. Greetings. I want to thank, of course, our president, Joe Biden, for bringing us together. Doug and I will host a Seder at our home with some of our Jewish staff members. And we are both looking forward to it very much. As I told the President of Israel when I spoke with him earlier today, we believe it will be the first Passover Seder ever hosted at the Vice President's residence. Happy pa Passover. Thank you again. There's so much to think about in terms of the blessings we have all received. Happy Passover. Happy Passover next year in Jerusalem. Take care. 
she is, she is truly nails on a chalkboard. Yes. It's like eighth grade. It's like the eighth grade, you know, student council. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Middle school. She really is terrible. Yeah. And, and then you see your husband is like, wow, he's terrible too. I guess they kind of deserve each other. Huh? How about like, you know, in honor of the Jewish people and right. the history and, and the Judeo-Christian ethic that brought the United States together. You know, <laughs> this is a holy weekend for everybody, Christians and Jews alike. I mean, do I have to write her speech? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do, David. As a matter of fact, I like the way she Jewish... focused on her, uh, on her uh, Jewish staff. Not her Jewish friends. No, no, no. She don't have any of those. No. She, you know, with Jewish uh, staff. Uh, I didn't want they to make a quick. mistake and call these people my friends. I hate them. Even our um, friends quit. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, you were saying something? Yeah, you pretty much covered it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Gio. She, oh, my gosh. She's terrible. Terrible. I don't know. We could do a better job running that White House. Convinced of that. Indeed. It's crazy. Anyhow, all right. So I, I thought I thought we should include her uh, because she's just a babbling idiot, and we always love babbling idiots. If Six Beat took the White House, Rick would paint it purple. Uh, yes, I would. <laughs> In fact, I was going to say that that bumper with the uh, um, from America's Voice. I, it actually looks like my wardrobe. All those eggs, the different colors. When you open up my closet, <laughs> different yeah, colors. Yeah, the Lincoln bedroom would have pink sheets. All right, Rick. I don't want to egg you on here. <laughs> but you know, but you know, Passover is a uh, it's a solemn holiday. Right. It's not a giggle fest. No. You know what I mean? Yeah, but she no. doesn't know what it is. You can yeah. tell she has no idea because yes. she's, and she couldn't even get it out. She had Passover. Yeah, I mean, it's a liberation of the Jewish slaves right. too, right? I mean, it's like, it's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Very holy holiday. <laughs> the miraculous exodus from Egyptian slavery. She doesn't like have any historical pretext or anything in anything she ever does. Uh, she's tangential, uh, aloof. And uninformed. Yeah. And for those that, that can't afford those words, I'll just say she's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, uh, back to more serious stuff. I know you wanted to talk about um, the sinking of that Russian ship. Now, do we have it confirmed? Was it actually sunk? Was it sunk by the Ukrainians? Did they have a mishap? Did they sink themselves? What happened? Are we talking Are we talking hunt for Red October here? No, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it looks like it was sunk. Uh, the, the Russians, I believe, last night finally admitted it. You know, it was being towed. And uh, they couldn't salvage it. Uh, there's some concerns here. One, it's called the U.S. The, it's called the Moskva, which is Moscow. You know, it's uh, it's a propaganda blow right. to the uh, Russians. Uh, you know, oh, no and doubt. I think the majority of the Russian people support Putin. So. I think it's a major escalation. I think uh, Putin's going to have to do something uh, to, you know, restore the faith of his own people. Um, but, you know, the significance of this, it's the only Russian ship to ever be sunk since 1905 in the really? Russo-Japanese War in the straits between Russia and uh, Japan. Um, and it's one of the only warships sunk since World War II. Um, you know, in the Falklands War, we had the HMS Antelope, which was damaged, mm -hmm. and we had the uh, HMS Sheffield, um, which was hit, I believe, by an Exocet missile, a French missile on one of their mirages that the Argentine Air Force had. Um, and, um, also, you know, um, the USS Stark was, uh, blown up by the Iraqi Air Force with another French Exocet missile in one of their Iraqi mirages. Was that the Tony Stark? Uh, in 1987. Mm -hmm. And we, they killed, I believe, 35 servicemen and wounded 21. 
Um, and you know, this is, this is a big deal. Uh, this is a, this is a, I think it changes the dynamic. Well, well uh, yeah, and you mentioned that, that with the sinking, there's a possibility there could be some nuclear weapons on this that. talk that maybe there were two nuclear warheads oh, on board. Um, but, uh, you know, let's see. You know, sometimes I think the worst, and then things have a way of kind of working out. Um, but it's not the U.S. that's taken the leadership role in these negotiations. You know, I was talking to Holly Lippman yesterday who wrote the Abraham Accords and the mm-hmm. Yeah, Emirates deal for, in, in cooperation with Israel, which was a big victory for the Trump administration. Um, and, you know, like Israel's doing more to bring the Russians and the Ukrainians to the table than the U.S. is, I believe, right. and some other countries, you know. So it's not the U.S. that are driving this conversation, apparently. No, we're leading from behind. It's it's Obama uh, version 2.0 with, with dumb old Joe at the, at the, at the helm, basically. Uh, steering us into the rocks. Now, also, what's what's kind of come, uh, gotten involved with this with with Russia, Ukraine, is now the extension, I guess you could call it, uh, of Finland and um, who else is involved over there? Sweden. Sweden. And about them now making a push to join NATO, and of course, uh, Finland is on the border right there with Russia. Now, that's not going to be good. Well, it's not so great uh, for them, but uh, for Russia... Um, you well, know, that's but, what I mean. Sweden's, for Russia, they're going to look at that and be like, eh, 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 that's, that's aggressive. Sweden's always had like a state-of-the-art military. They got the J, I think, 37 Vig. They had the Vigan. They've got some incredible aircraft, the joint Eurofighter. Um, I don't know. You know, Finland was more, I think... Uh, in commie territory, right. you know, than yeah. Sweden. But well, we got this yeah. clip number six talking about uh, Finland and Sweden considering joining uh, NATO amid the Russian invasion. So let's go to that real quick. Russia's invasion of Ukraine is prompting other European countries to rethink their security situations. Leaders in both Sweden and Finland are reportedly now considering joining NATO as soon as this summer. But Russia's warning the two Scandinavian nations against joining the alliance and says the decision to do so would prompt Russia to reinforce its borders, possibly with nuclear weapons. Now, for more, I'm joined by former U.S. ambassador to Finland, Derek Shearer. He's also a professor of diplomacy and world affairs at Occidental College right here in Los Angeles. And he's a contributor to Washington Monthly. Ambassador Shearer. Thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it. Uh, I want to get right to the business here. Sweden and Finland are non-aligned countries, so that means they aren't part of any major power block like NATO. So two questions here. Why have they maintained that position, and why are things different now following Russia's invasion? Good questions, Carter. Um, Slightly different histories. Sweden was neutral during World War II, so it maintained its military neutrality after the war and took on a large role in the United Nations, but of course, ultimately joined the European Union. Finland, unlike Sweden, was attacked and invaded by the Soviet Union during World War II. It famously fought back. That's where the Molotov cocktail was originated, throwing um, gasoline-filled bottles at Russian tanks. Finland lost territory during World War II. And in the peace agreement it signed with Russia, part of the agreement was it would maintain military neutrality. But at the Mm. end of the Cold War, as I say, both Finland and then Sweden joined the EU, which was also a security decision as well as an economic decision. 
It's interesting. You know, you as you mentioned, Russia and Finland share a border. It's about 800 miles long. So how concerned should Finnish people be about Russia, including that threat to beef up border defensive if Finland does join NATO? Well, Finland, as I say, had viewed joining the EU as enough security while maintaining neutrality, but it didn't feel neutral. It's always oriented towards the West. And when I was ambassador, for example, Finland purchased the F-18 Hornet. They joined Partnership for Peace, a NATO program. And the Finnish military is fully interoperable with NATO, but they didn't feel the need to join NATO. But now this has changed very dramatically, both in Finland and Sweden, because of Putin's invasion and the brutality of the invasion. Public opinion in Finland has shifted dramatically from a minority in favor of joining NATO to an overwhelming majority. And as you reported, both countries are now on the track to apply for NATO membership, which is not the outcome that Putin had hoped for when he started this invasion. Hmm. So that's kind of a, a ripple effect of the actions that uh, they've taken. And now it's it's kind of you could say it's backfiring, I guess, because as this this former ambassador just said, he he believes it to be the something he wasn't that they weren't expecting. We're I, I don't know. I think Putin is very smart. Um, I think he's expecting anything is on the table, yeah. uh, and is prepared to go to a certain point before he backs yeah. down. You know, I I, I think it's going to uh, escalate. I don't know if we're talking about World War Three per se, but. Uh, you know, Putin's got a lot up his sleeve. I don't, I don't think he's naive. No, you know what? And, and I agree with you. I think he's a lot smarter than that. You know, because the mainstream media, what do they keep saying? Oh, he's he's just evil. He's mean. He's this. He's that. It's great. You're calling him names. But you got to step back and be like, well, how does how's a person like this gotten to this position? Well, you because gotta, he's smart. He's not an idiot. The Russian population is at its peak in 2022, and it's going to go down drastically by 2050. He's looking to expand his borders to the original maybe Catherine the Great borders versus the Soviet Union, which was an international imperialist force in a way. You know, um, and, the, and the Russian people want to feel secure and flex their muscle and see a void like we were talking last night. You know, Putin is leading the world right now. Yeah. Right. It's, it's he's he's kind of, you know, so. But but no, you made a good point that that, you know, you can't dismiss the guy just because you think, well, he's stupid. Look at what he did. Oh, they're losing. Be, be, yeah. If you're buying that narrative that, oh, the uh, small country of Ukraine that really doesn't have much of a military is taking out this big, you know, world superpower. You're mistaken. He's holding back for a reason. There's got to be models yeah. that have been run right. that he's comfortable or ex with acceptable exactly. losses. No doubt. Right. No doubt. Like, like he's war they, his generals have war game this out. Okay, if we do this, we got this, we have this, we have this contingency plan, we have that contingency plan. Anybody who thinks that he's just marching in there thinking, oh, we're just going to take over things is a moron. But and that's may, what you see from mainstream media. But he may have, under, uh, misunder he may have underestimated the resilience uh, of, of the Ukrainians because he's been taking a beat um, but I think it gets worse for it gets better. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's something that is continually evolving, and I think, uh, I don't know, I feel like people are starting to get, uh, it's starting to fall down the list of important stories lately. I don't know, maybe it's just me. Uh, all right, we got one more segment coming up on this good Friday evening edition of Live from Studio 6B. We'll be back. Real America's Voice, stay there.
live from Studio 6B on Real America's Voice. We appreciate you joining us. The final segment of the Good Friday 2022 edition of Live from Studio 6B. Again, we appreciate you taking the time and joining us. If you're on that getter chat, keep getting like crazy. We appreciate it. And follow Mod 2, Rab Mod 2. That's our back. Hey, what are you doing over there? I don't know. David's here. Turn off whatever you got. I'm watching the Brady Bunch. Actually. Stop watching TV. Pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> we got it's sports. Deep. We'll do that in just a moment. Um, but a reminder, uh, we will be, uh, uh, we just want to make sure everybody has a great Easter weekend. That is it upon us. And uh, yeah, well, let's, let's do some, uh, we'll do some news with David. David, remind everybody where they can see you tomorrow morning as well. Uh, yeah, everyone can watch uh, my show Breaking Point with David Zier on Real America's Voice News. Uh, it airs Saturdays at 7 a.m. Eastern time. And uh, I'll be co-hosting with you guys uh, three out of five days next week. I'm yeah, very excited nice. about it. Uh, have a fun show tomorrow with Harley Lippman. Help write the Abraham Accords and the UAE Agreement with Israel. Uh, we've got HotelPlanner.com talking about travel snares for the holiday weekend coming up. And uh, congressional candidate in the New York 1st District. And I have the founder of TruePat, True Patriot, on. It's a new social media platform out of Florida. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned. 7 a.m. tomorrow. All right. Very good. So let's kick it over to Slick Rick and see what we got going on with sports. Final sports segment of the evening. Rick, take it away. Yes. Uh, thank you, Rick. Uh, New York Mets unveil statue of legendary pitcher Tom Seaver at City Field earlier today. This is an ESPN report. New York, the New York Mets made sure that nobody will forget the franchise. Unveiling a long-awaited statue of legendary pitcher Tom Seaver early today by the entrance to City Field. The statue, uh, statue featuring Seaver's iconic drop and drive delivery. That was his famous way to deliver that pitch. Stands to the right of the home run apple, measures 10 feet high, 13 and a half feet long, and is made of 2,000 pounds of bronze and 1,200 pounds of stainless steel standing on a granite mound. It's absolutely beautiful. The statue came in nine separate pieces, weighs 33,600 pounds, and was sculpted Ooh. by William Behrens. Uh, Siva was diagnosed with dementia in 2019 and died in 2020 at the age of 75. Nancy Siva, who married the Hall of Famer in 1996, introduced the statue alongside daughters Sarah and Annie. Hello, Tom. It's so nice to have you where you belong, she said in front of a cheering crowd. Siva earned three Cy Young Awards during his 12 seasons with the New York Mets and pitched the Mets to their first World Series championship in 1969. A lot of New Yorkers smile when they hear that if they remember when they were around back then. I was. Uh, the Mets retired his number in 1988 and he was inducted into Cooperstown in 1992. The great Tom Siva, number 41 forever. And um, from the touchdown Wire. Melissa Stark is going to be replacing Michelle Tafoya on Sunday Night Football. This is from Barry Werner. Uh, the New York Post reports Melissa Stark gets the nod and not Catherine Tappan, who was the uh, presumed favorite for the gig after filling in for Tafoya last year and working the one sideline in the Super Bowl. Stark will be another new face and voice on the team as Mike Tirico takes over play-by-play for the great Al Michaels. Michaels has moved on to Amazon, where he will be the voice for its Thursday Night Football telecast, Advantage.Amazon. Stark has worked for ESPN, NBC Sports, and NBC uh, on the Today Show and NFL Network. I really like her. I think she's a great choice. Obviously, there's been a lot of musical chairs with the NFL Networks with, you know, uh, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck moving from Fox, uh, you know, over to, uh, I believe, where'd they go? They went to um, the uh, ESPN. So that's yeah. uh, that was a big move there. So uh, yeah, well, it's almost like it's almost like free agency. 
Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> well, hey, there's big bucks involved. You know, yeah. absolutely, uh, Rick. You, you, you hit the nail on the head there. And just one more little story that I found heartwarming as we head into the Easter weekend. And of course, I love all of our followers on the LFS6B and our viewers. I love you myself, and I wish you and your family a very happy Passover and Easter celebration this weekend going into next week. And uh, much love from my family to yours. And uh, But anyway, Coach K presented with Cute Puppy by Duke coach John Shire <laughs> at Blue Devils Awards Banquet. This is a great story. Krzyzewski's old lab passed away last summer just before his final season with Duke began. This is from Kyle Boone of CBS Sports. Duke coach Mike Krzyzewski lost his yellow lab blue. What a great name for his dog. Uh, last summer ahead of his final season at the helm of the Blue Devils program. But his successor, former player and longtime assistant John Shire, ensured us on Thursday night he'll have a furry friend as he walks into retirement. At Duke's end of years award banquet, Shire presented Krzyzewski and his wife Mickey on stage with a puppy in front of the entire team. The puppy instantly took to a liking to Kay by licking him in front of the entire audience all over his face. It was just adorable. And while Mickey saw the dog and got emotional, uh, since you have a lot more time now, Coach, we felt you need something to train. Uh, Shia said, <laughs> the dog's name? is coach. Uh, and Krzyzewski <laughs> has said his, his old dog died in his arms from lung cancer last August. He since publicly vowed to prioritize getting a new dog in retirement. And everybody knows who's lost a pet, what they mean to you. I mean, in a lot of cases, they're better than family. Yeah. And they are family. So, <laughs> anyway, great story and happy Easter. And yeah, happy definitely Passover. a great story. You, and thanks you know, for that, Rick. And happy Easter as happy well. Happy Easter, everybody. I just wanted to add, I met Tom Seaver and his daughters in 1985. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I was fascinated. Fascinated. Oh, and people. I had a crush on one of his kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, both his daughters are very yeah, beautiful. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, truly a legend. Watched yes. him pitch. You sometimes, know. sometimes you share just a little too much there, David. <laughs> well, um, I was 15. I wasn't an adult. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey uh, we're going to kick it over, do some news to finish out. But news is brought to you by 7Cells. Seven 7Cells.com. Seven Make sure you go check them out. If you want some new treatment packs, they've just been launched. We're talking about low cost, uh, low cost pack HCQ. Uh, also long therapy packs for the flu. You got wellness. You got stuff for skin. You got stuff for pain. You got st stuff for sex. Uh, it's all right there. Healthcare tailored just for you at 7cells.com. We've had, we've had some of the people there uh, on the show. Great people. They do great stuff and great stuff that uh, you can do right over the internet with them. Reach out to them seven cells.com uh anything else in news that you want to make sure we hit upon there david uh yeah just really quick you know the canadian health ministry um was supposed to release covid data on their uh, main website uh but wound up they're gonna make us wait 75 years no oh. no they, they wound up uh putting a foot fetish porn link up instead oh even better talk about putting your foot in your mouth that's all i gotta say <laughs> that's all i got oh. um yeah so don't leave us hanging where, 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 where's my where's my, my can you shot? rewind can we edit this out okay hey uh here's something i want to get your your point of view on because you know the the special counsel John Durham's case continues on. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of there. It's a thing that, of course, mainstream media doesn't want to talk about. But this just happened. Uh, I think it was late Wednesday. Federal judge on Wednesday ruled, uh, basically refused to dismiss special counsel John Durham's case against former Hillary Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman for allegedly lying to the FBI while hawking the later debunked theory linking Donald Trump to Russia. The U.S. District Court Christopher Cooper ruled that Sussman must make his case to a jury declining to toss the single false statements charge against him on technical grounds. 
So this is interesting because Sussman Sussman's going to open the door to other stuff. Well, we know that Jim Comey um, lied four times and uh, verified uh, the fake Russia story with Trump and the prostitutes in Moscow, which was a made-up story. Um, and we know that Comey signed off on four FISA warrants as verified, yeah. and it was all, they were all fake. So my question is, 40,000 FISA warrants have been issued. You know, FISA's from like the 70s, was brought back in after 9-11. Um, how many of those 40,000 people were railroaded by the U.S. government? You know, if, well, if they did it to Trump, how many other innocent people did they do it to? Right. But, but in terms of this case itself, I mean, this is, this is going to open the door to more stuff. Yeah. I mean, we saw, we see Trump is, uh, he's, he's got a lawsuit going. He's right. And then of course you've got this and we've talked about how one case could be feeding the other. It's going to be an interesting, it's interesting to see how this all plays out because we're talking about Clinton's campaign attorney. Lawyer. Yeah, Sussman. he was trying He's got to make, access to everything. And Sussman was trying to make this connection between the Trump organization and Alpha Bank and, right. and Russia Financial Institution. And, yeah. Uh, but they couldn't prove any of it. Because they made it up. You can't, yeah. you can't prove lies. That's the problem, David. And that's the problem they're going to run into. All right, everyone, thank you so much for watching. As, as always, we truly appreciate it. Happy Easter to everyone, to all of you watching, especially we salute our military, active and retired, first responders, EMTs, firefighters, police, everybody on the front lines, the truckers, uh, you name it. You're out there. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for watching, everyone at home. Gio and Fran in the booth. Slick Rick doing sports. David Zier sitting in for news. We wish you the best this holiday weekend. Till Monday, have a great weekend. 